an amazing line in that song that I wrote on my hand. For my life he bled and died, he will hold me fast. What more proof do we need, right? What more proof do we need of his love, of his uh, dedication to us? What a wonderful God. We're picking up uh, again in our study of Genesis this morning, Genesis 47. Genesis 47, if you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. As we near the end of the book of Genesis, it's 50 chapters, we're now on 47. Um, I've been trying to think of how I'm going to, you know, make sure that we've caught everything that's been taught, because uh, as I've, I've mentioned many, many times, the book of Genesis is the book of beginnings, that it is, it is the, the foundation, right? You build a house, you begin with the foundation, so Genesis is the foundation for the rest of what we see uh, happen in, in Old Testament history and even in New Testament history. It's the foundation for the way things are today, what we're experiencing now. It's the foundation for uh, uh, our, our current lives. And I would say it is also the foundation of history eternal that will one day come. Genesis is the foundation of all those things. And so it's very important that we see the patterns that are put in place, the stones that are laid, if you will, uh, in the book of Genesis, because those will carry through Old Testament, New Testament, current and future history. And so we want to have a good grasp of them so that we can see the glory of our God in all that he has done and worship him for his glory and spread his glory. So this week, I, I want to kind of look at chapter 47 and say, what, what's a common theme here? And then uh, I, I want to trace it all through Genesis and see uh, how this is um, just a manifestation of what's been going on all along. So the, the theological thread in the tapestry of God's work that I want to trace today, that I want to follow today, is that of blessing. I've entitled this, a blessing to the nations. Before I go any further, I just want to go ahead and pray. I don't have, <laughs> I never put a stop for prayer in my notes. I didn't know where I was going to put it. Now is as good a time as any to ask God to bless us as we study his word um, about blessing. So let's pray together. Father God, open our eyes, open our hearts to what you have to teach us today. Why would we not want to learn about blessing? God, help us to see your grace in this. Help us to see your glory in this. Help us to experience it and lead us to share this experience with others to be blessed by you. God, just I, I want to lift before you those who are not yet experiencing your blessing. They may experience temporal, momentary uh, gifts, momentary happiness, momentary blessings, but they are missing out on the eternal one because that only comes from a relationship with you, Lord. God, open their ears at this moment, Lord. Give them a heart that is ready to hear and ready to trust in Jesus Christ, the fount of all blessings, Lord. I pray this in your Son's holy name. Amen. So we're going to look at this foundational theme of blessing and we'll See how it fits into chapter 47 in just a moment. Uh, but before we get there, I want to kind of uh, trace this uh, thread with you for just a moment. Uh, you don't have to turn to all these because I'm, I'm only going to mention them briefly. Uh, but, but you can kind of trace this idea of God blessing people right from the very beginning, right from the creation week. Genesis 1, 27 and 28, we see the creation of man. And here's what it says. So God created them, or sorry, created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God blessed them. So we see from the very beginning of creation, God creates male, God creates female, and his intention is to bless them. Now, we think about the blessing of Adam and Eve. You say, well, what was that? Were they wealthy, healthy, prosperous? 
Yes, honestly. I mean, like, they had blessing at every angle, okay? This is the beginning of creation before their sin, before the fall. You think about it, they were blessed with all of creation. They're placed in the Garden of Eden, this place of pleasure. They had uh, all, all the foods, all these delicious foods that they could uh, eat. They had uh, just comfortability. Again, pain and toil had not come into the world yet. They were blessed in all these things. They worked, but it was always blessed. They had relationship with one another, and it was always blessed. And you even think about their lives. God blessed their lives. They, they had at that point uh, what we would call eternal life, both in quality and quantity. They were not meant to die. Their bodies were not going to deteriorate. There would be nothing to uh, bring their life to an end. So they were blessed in the numbers, and, but blessed in the quality of years in that they had relationship with God. Uninhibited, unbroken uh, relationship with God in his presence even. No veil in between, no looking through a glass dimly. They had the blessing of temporal things. They had the blessing of life that would go on forever and perfect health. And they had the blessing spiritually of Walking with God, knowing God, loving God, worshiping God, enjoying God. They were certainly blessed. And as we see right there in Genesis 1, 27 and 28, that was God's intention for mankind. But then Genesis 3 happens. We see a serpent under the direction of Satan. He tempts the first woman first and then the first man, Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve chose to step outside of God's lordship. And in doing so, they chose to step outside of God's blessing. They chose to step outside of a, a faithful, trusting relationship with God. And in doing so, they, trusted, they stepped outside of God's blessing. The steps are one and the same. They did not know that. They did it. And so they step out of that blessing, and up to this point, God had only pronounced blessings on his creation, but we know that there in Genesis 3, God now begins to proclaim curses. He begins by cursing the serpent. His uh, days will not go well, and there will, uh, even there in Genesis 3.15, we see that that serpent, and actually Satan behind the serpent, will one day be defeated through the seed of the woman. but So the serpent is cursed, Satan is cursed, but then we see uh, that, that the woman and the man uh, will now be experiencing the curse. And that's what Genesis 3 uh, kind of shows us, that, that the woman will experience pain in childbirth, the, the marital relationship will be strained. We see for the man, work will now be toilsome. By the, the, the sweat of his brow will he now eat bread. Uh, we, we just see this, this curse come upon the world. These people who were created for everything, uh, for, for this great blessing from God, have stepped outside of that blessing and come under the curse of God because of their sin. But as the narrative continues, we start to see the grace of God in action. We don't need to miss this. They had the blessing. They didn't earn it at the beginning. God just chose to give it to them. Then they reject that blessing by stepping outside of it. But we see in Genesis, as this thread continues, God still seems determined to bless his people. By the end of Genesis 3, God has still allowed Adam and Eve to bear children, which was a part of this original blessing, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. God is still blessing them. There's still this uh, a glimmer of blessing. Now, they're not experiencing the fullness, right? They stepped outside of that. They will not now have all the plenty. They are cast out of the garden. They will not now have uh, these eternal lives in, in quantity, right? In the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. So they, they died spiritually there, but they will also one day physically die. And they, you don't see Adam and Eve walking around. And their relationship with God, they could no longer walk with him as a, as a friend, as a, a father, 
Their, their blessedness was taken away, but God is still giving them these, these glimmers of blessings. He is still determined to bless them ultimately. We see this theme pick back up in Genesis 9. At this point, the world uh, has, has populated highly, and uh, they're, they're, God looks down and he sees nothing but wickedness on the earth. And so he decides he's going to destroy the world with a flood. That's quite a curse, isn't it? But God chooses to bless one man, Noah, and his family. And even after that flood, when you know, they build the ark, they're saved, and the flood goes down, they come out of the ark. In uh, Genesis 9, verse 1, it says this, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So we see this blessing come back again. That I mean, Noah... I don't know if you remember the first thing he does when he gets off the ark. He makes some sacrifices, uh, but he uh, drinks a little too much of the, the juice and uh, passes out in his tent naked. Uh, anyways, God bless Noah. I'm just reminding you once again, this is God's determination to bless people, to give them some of that original blessing. So God bless Noah and his sons. Things continue on through this line. You, you could trace uh, th this line of blessing even, but then we come... Uh, finally to, to Genesis 12, and here we meet Abraham. And this blessing is starting to take some more shape, and God is going to explain for uh, Abraham a little bit uh, more of what this blessing will look like. By the way, throughout this entire sermon, I'm going to explain the fullness, I hope, of that blessing, just a full overview of that blessing. But God, God introduces that blessing in the path of the blessing in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Here comes the blessing. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed." Now, there's a lot we can draw from that blessing, but it's sort of starting to take shape. God's still determined to bless people on this earth, sinners though we be. God is still determined to bless. And now in Abraham, we sort of start to see it take a little bit of shape. So I'm going to give you number one if you'd like to write this down, and we'll, we'll kind of look at it again. Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. So you notice there... Uh, in, in Genesis 12, verses uh, 1 through 3, specifically 2 and 3. Uh, first, Abraham was to be the recipient of a special blessing from God. Verse 2, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. So God has specifically told him, I am going to bless you, Abraham. I'm going to, to make your name great. I'm going to give you a great nation. I will make of you a great nation. So Abraham is this recipient of the blessing of God. But the next thing we see there is that Abraham's blessing had a purpose, to be a blessing. He is blessed to be a blessing. Look at verse 2 again, or just listen either way. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. So that. That's a causal statement. That's a purpose statement. So that. So I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. I'll make you a great nation. So that what? You will be a blessing. Abraham's blessing from God had a purpose of being the conduit of blessing to others. But the third thing we see here uh, in this promise from God, this uh, even covenant of God, is that this blessing wouldn't just be for, for some people within Abraham's limited uh, reach, but the blessing of Abraham was to spread to the whole world. The whole world. Verse 3, and I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. So this doesn't mean every single individual, okay? I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is, this is all the families of the earth. That, by the way, is repeated in Genesis 18, 18. God says... Uh, 
God says this, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. All the nations, all the peoples, all the families. We're, we're talking about the same thing here, that there will be this, this opportunity, this, this gift uh, presented to all the nations, all the uh, peoples, all the families of the earth. So Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. And not only just a blessing, but a blessing to the whole earth. A worldwide scale of blessing. What an incredible promise, right? This is an unbelievable promise that was given to Abraham. And I just want you to think, this is, this is serious because we'll pick it back uh, up later. Can you imagine getting a promise like that? I mean, God Almighty, creator, sustainer, uh, giver of every good and perfect gift, comes to you and says, I choose to bless you. I'm going to bless you. And you know what? I'm not only going to bless you, but I'm going to make you a blessing. And not just maybe to the people around you, the limited, but I'm going to make you a blessing to all the families, all the nations, all the peoples of the earth. Can you imagine getting that promise from God? Can you imagine the excitement of that? I'm going to be blessed by God. Can you imagine how eager you'd be to have that promise fulfilled in you that you would be a blessing to others? I'm going to have this blessing and I'm going to be so overflowing with this blessing that I'm going to spread it to others even to the ends of the earth. Can you imagine receiving this promise that Abraham got? Remember your answer to that. Now, that is a very big statement. All the families, all the nations, all the peoples of the earth being blessed through Abraham. How could one person possibly bring such a blessing, right? Well, we need to understand how this blessing unfolds, okay? This, again, we're tracing a theological theme. Number two, I'm trying to remember how I put it up here. It, the blessing, was carried through covenant offspring, I've got in my notes, the blessing was carried, but that was really big on the PowerPoint. <laughs> the blessing was carried through covenant offspring. So it wasn't actually the person of Abraham had to go around uh, somehow being a blessing to every single uh, nation or family, uh, you know, people of the earth. It is carried through the covenant offspring. Let's uh, follow this thread a little further. We're going to keep pulling on it and, and see this reality. Genesis 22 Verses 17 and uh, 18, this is after Abraham has uh, passed the test of faith um, when God asks him to sacrifice Isaac. God then says this, Genesis 22, verse 17. I will surely bless you. you. Hear that again. I will surely bless you and surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. Verse 18. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. You hear that unfolding a little bit? Up to this point, it's been in you shall all the peoples, in you shall all the nations be blessed. Now it says, in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Okay, that makes a little more sense. <laughs> Rather than just this, you know, finite man Abraham somehow blessing people, I mean, Abraham has been gone for quite a while. Like, how, how could I be blessed th through him? Well, it's in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And so it comes as a little surprise when we see his son Isaac, the, the son of covenant promise, uh, receive this blessing as well. So Isaac is the covenant son. I say that because he had more than one child. So not, not every uh, child, physical offspring of Abraham is a recipient of this covenant blessing, uh, but Isaac was, um, was of, of his children. Genesis 26, 3-4, God says to Isaac, the son of Abraham, offspring of Abraham, sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. You hear that again? I mean, God even makes it explicit. This is the same oath that I gave to your father Abraham. I'll bless you, and in your offspring, 
all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Next, we come up to Jacob, the covenant son of Isaac. Again, there's more than one child, Jacob and Esau. One falls under the covenant promises of God, the other does not. To Jacob, God says, Genesis 28, verse 14, Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So this is just going to carry on through the covenant offspring. God is determined, determined to bless people, to bless unworthy people, but people who fall under his grace. All the families, all the peoples, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed through this covenant offspring. But again, this is a crazy promise. How? What what is that going to look like? How could that possibly happen? How could all the families, all the nations of the earth be blessed through this covenant family? Kind of seems like an impossible prospect even for God. But that's where Genesis 47 comes in. Number three, if you want to write this down. The first fruits of blessing, the first fruits came in Genesis. The first fruits came in Genesis. Here we are, just four generations, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then now uh, his sons. We're going to see the first fruits, the first fulfillment of this promise. And I'll go ahead and tell you that this is a, a prototypical fulfillment. It is a typological fulfillment. It is a foreshadowing of a greater fulfillment, but it is fulfilled nonetheless. Where, uh, and this is actually like why I chose... Uh, to talk about this in Genesis 47, because as I read through the entire passage, I kept sort of seeing this theme of the, the, the God's people, these covenant people, being a blessing to other people, and as we'll see, even being a blessing to all the nations of the earth. So Genesis 47, we see uh, three illustrations of the way this promise was already being fulfilled through them. So you got to bear with me a bit because we're going to look at these and they will build in their significance, okay? So let's look at chapter 47, verses 1 through 6. I know I didn't read this at the beginning, so this is the reading of our text. Genesis 47, verses 1 through 6. It says, So Joseph went in and told Pharaoh, My father and my brothers with their flocks and herds and all that they possess have come from the land of Canaan. They are now in the land of Goshen. And from among his brothers, he took five men and presented them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to his brothers, what is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, your servants are shepherds as our fathers were. They said to Pharaoh, we have come to sojourn in the land, for there is no pasture for your servants' flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. And now please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, your father and your brothers have come to, come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father, and your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them settle in the land of Goshen. And if you, know, if you know any able men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. Okay, so where am I going with that? That very last verse, it says, If you know any able men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. Now, we saw last week that part of their plan for being able to dwell in Goshen was making it very plain to Pharaoh that they were shepherds, that they were keepers of of flocks and herds, because, as we saw in chapter 46, the very last verse, every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. Every shepherd was an abomination to the Egyptians. And that's, uh, you know, been kind of an odd verse to some people. They say, well, why would shepherds be an abomination to the Egyptians at this point? Well, what we need to understand about Egypt is uh, kind of because of their location right there with the Nile and the, the, the delta there, it would flood each and every year. And what that made for was incredibly fertile land. Fertile land meaning it will grow things very well, grow plants very well. And so because of that, the Egyptian people became experts at growing their food. 
They, they were very, very good at this, and, and yearly they would do it. And that's why this famine was such a big hit, because the Nile didn't flood, you know, uh, and they, they didn't have this food. But thankfully, Joseph had stored it up anyway, getting ahead of myself. They were very good at, at growing their food, but they were not very good at being shepherds, at taking care of herds and flocks and things like that, because they, they gave all their attention to uh, growing the, the, their, the, the food that they wanted uh, rather than raising it in, in herds and sheep and things like that. So, that is why Pharaoh says, If you know any able men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. We saw there uh, in verse 3, the brothers said this, And they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds, as our fathers were. So he's like, okay, my people have grown up generationally learning how to take care of, of, of all the, the plants growing, all their food uh, growing that way. But you have grown up learning how to take care of herds and flocks and, and all of that. So you're, you're perfect for this job. And so we see the first blessing there is that one of the brothers, at least, uh, gets to now be a blessing to Pharaoh by, by filling this gap, uh, taking care of something that otherwise would not be all that well taken care of. Now, that may seem silly, but we need to think about who these brothers were. They were not good guys up to this point, right? Like uh, up until this whole Joseph uh, thing, uh, revealing himself there in, in um, Egypt. They'd been largely squandering these covenant promises, the covenant, any covenant blessing they were getting. But now they, they've, they've repented of their sin. They, they've turned to God. They're trusting in him and they're still being blessed. And now they get to be a blessing. And again, even if that does seem insignificant, it just adds to uh, how much we'll see this uh, in this chapter 47. So that's the first instance, being uh, able to take care of Pharaoh's uh, herds and flocks. The next thing we see uh, is in verses 7 through 10. And here we have the twice-repeated blessing of Jacob to Pharaoh. So look at me, uh, verse 7 through 10. Then Joseph brought in Jacob his father and stood, before, stood him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many are the days of the years of your life? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The days of the years of my sojourning are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their sojourning. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from the presence of Pharaoh. Now, I'd like to talk about that whole age thing in the days and the year of the years of my life. But what I want to, to point out to you is that we see Jacob bless Pharaoh twice. That may seem un, uh, unimportant to you, uh, but we need to understand at least two things. Number one. Blessings carried weight back then, especially with this covenant family. You know, for us, a blessing, as we might think of it, might just be a, a greeting or a salutation. Hope you have a great day. Hope things go well with you. Hope that all works out. You know, maybe if you were talking to them about something. You know, and that's our version of a blessing. That's not what is meant by blessing here. For them, especially uh, for Jacob, the, the covenant father here, uh, a verbal blessing, like, it carried the power of God. It was literally saying, I uh, am laying the blessings of God upon you. The blessings that have been given to me, I want God to give you. That is what was going on here. And we could dig in deeper, but this was a significant, weighty thing. They did not uh, just bless everyone. They did not throw that around lightly. But the second important thing we need to notice here is... It's Jacob who blesses Pharaoh. You have uh, this guy who is not all that impressive in stature, uh, uh, worldly speaking. And he blesses the most important, most powerful man in the world at this time. Pharaoh of the land of Egypt, the empire of Egypt. So let's just think about Pharaoh. He would have been incredibly wealthy, right? Just incredibly wealthy. His, his army uh, would have been uh, gigantic. His, his lands were vast. His command is colossal. I mean, the man says something and it happens. Life and death are in this man's hands. 
But then you have Jacob, right? I mean, he's got some wealth. He's got some flocks. He's got some herds. They're, they're doing well as shepherds, <laughs> you know. Um, he has no empire. He's a sojourner, as he made very plain. I'm just a sojourner. Pharaoh's like, oh, I've got this whole land, and you're, you know, a traveling uh, sojourner, a pilgrim, if you will. And you have Pharaoh, who's over this entire empire, and you have Jacob, who's over this household of 70, as we learned uh, last week, that there were 70 in total there in Egypt that were in the household of Jacob. And yet we see Jacob be the one to bless Pharaoh twice. Hebrews 7, 7 says this, It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. That's, that's just a rule, that the inferior person is the one who is blessed, not the giver of the blessing. And so we have Jacob here, by, by his actions, by his blessing, saying, I am the superior, I am the one who is more blessed here, and I am going to give to you the blessing. And just to make sure Pharaoh gets the picture, he does it when he walks in. I mean, apparently that's the first thing he does. Then Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and stood him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And evidently, it's the very last thing he does. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from the presence of Pharaoh. First and last. That's first impression and, and the thing you'll remember. He wants him to see this. And by the way, we, we do see uh, God bless Pharaoh in, in some ways, as we'll read about in just a moment. Uh, right here, right now, is when... Egypt really gains momentum and power because all of all the wealth of the world uh, comes into it. Uh, but anyways, this blessing is conferred upon Pharaoh. But the third blessing we see in chapter 47, now we get to the whole world. Let's pick it up in verse 11, just because that's where we left off. Verse 11 uh, to 26. Then Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. Ramses is uh, the modern day, at least in Moses' day, is what Goshen had been named. And Joseph prov uh, provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's household with food according to the number of their descendants. Now there was no food in all the land, for the famine was very severe, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished by reason of the famine. I'm going to pause there for just a moment. There it says this famine was in the land, in all the land, and it was very severe. And it mentions specifically there Egypt and the land of Canaan. So we might then uh, be tempted to think, oh, it was just in Egypt and just in Canaan. But thankfully, uh, we have further insight into the, the scope of of this famine in Genesis 41. Genesis 41 verses 56 and 57 says this, So when the famine had spread all over, over all the land, so that's the same words there, uh, when the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in all the land of Egypt. Verse 57, Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt, to Joseph to buy grain because the fa famine was severe over all the earth. I mean, there it is, blanket statement. If you want to say that this was not a worldwide famine, then you can say that the flood was not a worldwide flood, but both were. The Bible is explicit about it. This was a worldwide famine. This was not just a local famine. And so that, what that means is this was not just a local problem. This was not just a local threat to survival. I mean, we're talking famine, famine. They, they didn't have anything to eat. People still die today during famines. I mean, anyways, this was a threat to the survival of all the world. That means that all the families, all the nations, all the peoples of the earth had their survival threatened. Does that wording sound familiar a little bit? All the families, all the nations have a problem. But as we know, uh, again from Genesis 41, God made it known to Joseph that there was going to be this famine. And God also blessed Joseph with the wisdom for how to prepare for this famine, store up the food for, during these uh, seven years of plenty. Then in the seven years of famine, we will have 
plenty of food that we can give to our people and to any who need it. We, we continue there, uh, verse 14. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan in exchange for the grain that they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. Again, you see Pharaoh being blessed here uh, by this. And when the money was all spent in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us food. Why, would she, why should we die before your eyes? For our money is gone. And Joseph answered, Give your livestock, and I will give you food in exchange for your livestock if your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them food in exchange for the horses, the flocks, the herds, and the donkeys. He supplied them with food in exchange for all the, their livestock that year. And when that year was ended, they came to him the following year and said to him, We will not hide from my Lord that our money is all spent. The herds of the herds of livestock are my Lord's. There is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our land. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for food. <clears throat> for food. And we with our land will be servants to Pharaoh. And give us seed that we may live and not die, and that the land may not be desolate. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for all the Egyptians sold their fields because the famine was severe on them. The land became Pharaoh's. As for the people, he made servants of them from one end of Egypt to the other. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had a fixed allowance from Pharaoh and lived on the allowance that Pharaoh gave them. Therefore, they did not sell their land. Don't think uh, Christian priests or Catholic. These were uh, pagan priests of, of Egypt. Anyways, then Joseph said to the people, Behold, I have this day bought you and your land for Pharaoh. Now here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. And at the harvest you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and, your, and four fifths shall be your own, as seed for the field, and as food for yourselves and your households, and as food for your little ones. Listen to this, verse 25. And they said, You have saved our lives. May it please my Lord. We will be servants to Pharaoh. So Joseph made it a statute concerning the land of Egypt, and it stands to this day, Moses' day, that Pharaoh should have, a, have the fifth. The land of the priests alone did not become Pharaoh's. So what we see here is at first brush, it might even sound shrewd what Joseph is doing here. He sees everyone needs food. <coughs> so he, <coughs> excuse me, I need a drink of water. Uh, everyone needs food. So he takes all their money. When their money's gone, he takes their livestock. When their livestock's gone, he takes them and their land. But you'd say, well, I mean, that's kind of mean. But verse 25 again, this is how they respond to this. And they said, you have saved our lives. May it please my Lord, we will be the servants to Pharaoh. I mean, these people are incredibly grateful. They don't care. What are flocks and herds and money and lands? If you don't have your life, I mean, they are thankful for this. They feel blessed that they have received food at the, the, this uh, low, low price of simply being a servant to Pharaoh. Servant, by the way, meant that they would work the land and give him uh, one-fifth of it. But, as we talked about, this was a worldwide famine, and all the peoples of the earth were coming here. And so, if the people of Egypt felt so blessed to have this food I can't imagine how blessed uh, all the peoples of the earth felt to have this food. Because that, that's what we saw there, uh, that uh, everyone came. I'm trying to find that. Oh, well. Yeah. All, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was severe over all the earth. Again, Genesis 41. So what we see here in just four generations, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then now Joseph, all the earth is blessed in Abraham, in his offspring. It was carried through. So Joseph was blessed by God with this position and with the wisdom to do all of this. And he has now become a blessing to all the families, all the nations, all the peoples of the earth. Friends, we have a God who can be trusted. I mean, was that not an outlandish thing to say? Abraham, 
through you, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth, all the nations of the earth. And here we are, just a relatively short time later, God does it. What we need to remember is that no matter how outlandish the promises of God may seem to us uh, at the time, no matter how uh, difficult the circumstances that, that God could possibly fulfill his promises, God keeps his promises. This is kind of like last week, by the way. This is kind of the down payment of God's promises. Uh, this is not the full fulfillment of this blessing. We need to understand uh, that these people of, of Egypt and even of, of all the earth, their lives were saved. This threat was upon them. Starvation. Their lives are saved. They, they, through Joseph, they have this blessing. It's a true and real blessing. But we know that eventually they died, right? This blessing did not last forever. If they did not trust in the God of Joseph, they died in their sin. So this was merely the first fruits of God fulfilling his promise. But there was a later and greater fulfillment to come. And again, I just want to trace this uh, through the rest of scripture a little bit. Number four, the fullness of blessing came in Christ. The fullness came in Christ. The fullness of blessing came in Christ. I'm talking about Jesus. This is where the fullness of the Abrahamic blessing comes in. Matthew 1.1 this is how it begins. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So for some reason, the author of the Gospel of Matthew wants us to know this Jesus, this one who is born in a manger. He is the son, the offspring of Abraham. Remember, in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And what did this Jesus do? Uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse uh, 7 through 14. I'll sort of just be slowly walking through. Galatians 3, beginning in verse 7. It says this, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Hmm, sons of Abraham. Part of this offspring, this blessed offspring. Verse 8, And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify all the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Interesting. That's, that's, what, that's the promise we're looking at. In you shall all the nations be blessed. Well, what, what was that saying there? Uh, I'm going to read verse 8 again. In the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify all the Gentiles, that's non-Jews, that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel, the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. That's the blessing God was talking about. The gospel, and the gospel of salvation, not just for Jews, but to the Gentiles also. Verse 9, so then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. <laughs> this is amazing. This is going to, to all the world, Gentiles, Jews alike. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So that means that anyone from any nation, any tribe, any people could be brought into this saving blessing of Abraham by faith. Well, faith in what? We'll pick up again in verse 10, Galatians 3.10. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. Remember blessing and curses? For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. So what that means, uh, pausing there again, sorry. So what that means is everyone who has ever broken any command of God, that is, to love the Lord your God with everything that you are, to have no God before him, to love your neighbor as yourself, to do no wrong to them, to, to follow all of God's commandments perfectly. Everyone who has broken that law in the smallest way is under the curse of God, eternal cursedness under the wrath of God. Right? Right? Just like the whole world in Joseph's day, everyone was under this 
threat of death right now in our day and uh, all, all of history really since uh, Adam and Eve fell. We are under the threat of eternal death. Everyone, every nation, every family, every people, every tribe are under this threat of eternal death. What's the answer? Verse 11, now it is evident that no one is justified uh, before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. So it's saying that it's not that we got to work for this uh, getting out from under the curse and under this blessedness. We can't. We cannot earn it. That's what it's telling us in that verse 11 and 12. But here we go. We're going to see how Christ brings this blessing to all nations. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. What was the cross made out of? A tree. So uh, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Do you hear that? We are all under this curse, not the blessedness of God, under this curse, this threat of eternal cursedness under the wrath of God. But Christ, the offspring of Abraham, came into this world and became a curse for us. The curse that we deserve, the eternal cursedness that we deserve, the wrath of God was laid upon him there on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He says on the cross, this cursedness came upon Jesus. The wrath for our sin came upon Jesus so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. That we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Jesus was the fullness of the Abrahamic blessing. Jesus was, was the, the, the true fulfillment. Genesis 47 was a mere foreshadowing. Yes, it really did save uh, all the nations of the earth, but it was just physical. It was just temporal. The deliverance, the, the freedom from this curse, the blessedness that came through Jesus is far superior because it is eternal. And it, by the way, covers all the same things as were given to Adam and Eve. Not here and now, not yet. We have, we have but the down payment at this point. But you think about that. I told you, what were the aspects of the blessing? They would have plenty. They would have, uh, uh, you know, all the best of the, the land. Adam and Eve in this paradise. That is what the Garden of Eden was, was a paradise. That blessing is coming upon us one day. We talked about that they would never die. Friends, our bodies will die, but our souls will not. We already have eternal life if we've trusted in Christ Jesus. What really matters will never die. And in the end, we will receive renewed, glorified bodies that will never die. Neither our flesh nor our souls will be corrupted. And we have the first fruits and will one day have the fullness of relationship with God like Adam and Eve had in the garden and I would say even greater than Adam and Eve had in the garden uh, because we've gotten to see God's plan of redemption God's determination to bless sinners on display and we will worship him all the more because of it that is the blessing of Christ Jesus forgiveness of our sins right standing before God not based on our works but based on his bearing of sin and righteous life conferred upon us. This is how all the nations of the earth are blessed in Abraham, in Christ. His finished work on the cross and resurrection. But we have one final thing. That, is, that should lead us to worship, by the way. That should lead us to worship. But there's more application. Number five, Christians... Now distribute the blessing. Christians now distribute the blessing. Remember how Abraham was blessed 
but it was so that you will be a blessing. I will bless you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. The covenant hasn't changed. The promise hasn't changed. If we are recipients of the Abrahamic blessing, and I would say we are, then we are now to distribute that blessing so that you will be a blessing. Do you remember at the beginning when I, I told you about this promise and I said, how amazing would it be if God said to you, hey, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to make you a blessing. And not only a blessing to some people, but to all the nations. How excited would you feel? How honored would you feel? How enthusiastic would you be about being the conduit of that blessing? Well, now you see why I put that question in there. Because God has said it to you. God absolutely has said it to you. Ephesians 1.3, and all over the Bible, but Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And you could keep reading there in Ephesians 1.3. It just talks about the blessing and, and the, the inheritance God confers upon us. And speaking of inheritance, Romans 8.16 uh, and 17, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ Jesus. You have the blessing, again, if you follow Ephesians um, 1, of forgiveness, of, of salvation, right standing before God, and now the inheritance of Christ for eternity. There is no B-level Christian, okay? If you have trusted in Christ Jesus for your salvation, you have received this blessing, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, full air alongside Christ. This is incredible we should be excited we should be honored but we also should have the enthusiasm enthusiasm to to distribute to be a conduit of that blessing matthew 28 18 to 20 jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That's the same wording being used here. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that's a Christian, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. This, that's blessing. Reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's being a blessing. It goes on to say, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Do you see that? You're a recipient of the blessing, this forgiveness of sins, covering of trespasses, and now you are made an ambassador. God making his appeal through us. We are now the conduits. We are now the distributors of this blessing. We should be enthusiastic. You already have the blessing. What are you worried about? You already have the blessing. We, we don't have to live for this momentary uh, pleasure and comfort. We, we, we have the, the full blessing to come. And here's one more thing I want to draw out. Have confidence that you have something to give. Jacob, a father of shepherds, walks into the most wealthy, most powerful man in the world, and he confers the blessing. And before he leaves, he does it again. He confers the blessing both times. Where does he get that boldness? Where does he get that confidence? He knew that, that mere earthly eyes didn't see the true picture. Pharaoh 
was nothing compared to Jacob. Jacob was the covenant man. He was the, the, the child, the offspring of Abraham. He was the, the recipient of God's blessing. Jacob was the superior, not in an egotistical way, but in a blessed way. In the same way, friends, you may run into people with way more money, way more intellect, way more wit. You know, wit, they'll try to make you feel silly for the things that you believe. But it doesn't matter what they have. You have the blessing of God, the covenant blessing to, uh, of Abraham. You have been given this new charge to be a blessing. And we even know it, it's, it's in all authority in heaven and earth that Jesus had that he tells us to do this. We don't have to ask their permission. You know, we, we don't have to be special. We just have to be a Christian. We just have to be blessed to be a blessing, to share it. And we're not doing this on our own power. We are simply the conduit. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's the idea of I will be there empowering this. You can have confidence. If you are a Christian, you are blessed beyond measure. And if you are blessed, you are blessed so that you will be a blessing. Not just to your neighbors. That's a good start. Keep doing it. Start doing it, whatever. Not just to the, the grocery store clerk. It's a good start. Do it. Please do it. Co-workers, family members, but even to the ends of the earth, the nations. Oh, that we wouldn't become stagnant as the blessings flow in and we don't push them out upon others. May God refresh our souls as we understand our calling, understand our blessing, and that we are meant to be a conduit to others. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. What else can we do but thank you when we are unworthy, undeserving, wretched sinners, and yet you have chosen to bless us, to bring us into this blessing of Abraham God, we thank you that you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That if we have trusted in Christ, we no longer have these trespasses, these sins on our record. They are blotted out. They are as far from your eyes as the east is from the west. God, we thank you for that. We thank you that we have fullness of righteousness in your eyes. The very righteousness of Christ who loved you perfectly, loved others perfectly, who never went against your commands, who always did the right thing. That is the record that has been given to us. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that we've been made new, that we've been given eternal life now, spiritual life now, that we can experience you. And we thank you that we have the promise of eternity, of new bodies, where we will live in a new creation, and we will see you, and it will feel like it's new because it will be so much better as we see you face to face with no sin, no pain, no hindrances to experiencing you in your fullness. And you are the source of blessing. God, you deserve the worship. You deserve the glory. You deserve the honor and praise. And our lives are now fit for service. Fit to be a blessing to the world both to our neighbors and to the nations, God. Do it. Do it through us. Let us not be like the sons of Israel before they had all of this uh, change take place where they just had the blessings and squandered it. Lord, make us a blessing. Let us ask the question, who is being blessed by me today? Who is being blessed? And Lord, let us give the little blessings, the temporal blessings, because that, that happened as well, but let us be focused on the eternal, the unfathomable blessing that is in Christ. Father God, if there is anyone in this room who at this point is still outside of your blessing, that like Adam and Eve, they continually choose to serve another God, namely the God of self, the God who believes it can find its own blessing. God, help them to realize they are only under a curse. That while you may let your common grace flow upon them, they will not taste that forever. And they are not even tasting now. 
what the believer gets to experience. God, help them to lay aside their sin and look upon Jesus. Look upon His love, His compassion. To look upon the punishment taken and the righteousness given and say, I want to be a part of that blessing. I want to be a part of that kingdom. God, let them give their souls to you now. And God, the rest of us, help us to to live worthy of the calling, to live worthy of the blessing by your power. In Jesus' name, amen.